بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful, I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger. We continue the explanation of Riyadh al-Salihin, and we have reached hadith number 9 under the chapter of sincerity of intentions. وعن أبي بكرة نفيع بن الحارث الثقفي رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا التقى المسلمان بسيفيهما فالقاتل والمقتول في النار قلت يا رسول الله هذا القاتل فما بال المقتول قال إنه كان حريصا على قتل صاحبه متفق عليه أبو بكر الثقفي مي الله بفليز وذهم ريبورتد that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said when two Muslims are engaged in a combat against each other fight each other with their swords and one is killed both are doomed to hell I said O Messenger of Allah as to the one who kills it is understandable but why the slain one the Prophet ﷺ said he was eager to kill his opponent. The explanation of the hadith. In the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا الْتَقَى الْمُسْلِمَانِ بِسَيْفَيْهِمَا If when two Muslims are intend to kill each other, this is the meaning and so they draw their swords and if one even takes a weapon and points it at the other like a rifle and so forth from that which is known to kill or a stone or the like intending to kill the other mentioning of the sword here is by way of example it is not a specification rather if the two meet intending to kill each other by any means which will bring forth the killing then the killer and the opponent are in the fire of hell we seek refuge in Allah from that here the companion asked Abu Bakr may Allah be pleased with him asked هذا القاتل now we understand this is concerning the one who kills the other this is understandable that he will go to hell because he intended to kill a believing soul and the one who intends and is determined to kill a believer 
unjustly, then he is in the fire of hell. Qala Allah Ta'ala, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 93, وَمَنْ يَقْتُلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمُ مُخَالِدًا فِيهَا وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَلَعَنَهُ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُ عَذَابًا عَظِيمًا And whoever kills a believer intentionally, فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمْ His recompense is hell to abide therein, خَالِدًا فِيهَا To abide therein, وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ And the wrath of Allah and the curse of Allah are upon him. وَعَدَّ اللَّهُ لَهُ عَذَابًا عَظِيمًا And a great punishment is prepared for him. So Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, asked the Prophet ﷺ, هذا القاتل, this is understood. فَمَا بَالُ الْمَقْتُولُ So what about the one killed? How could he also be his recompense in hellfire as the killer? The Prophet ﷺ answered, لِأَنَّهُ كَانَ حَرِيصًا عَلَىٰ قَتْلِ صَاحِبِهِ He was eager to kill his opponent. And that's why he brought the tool of killing in order to kill him. But the other overtook him, overpowered him, and killed him instead. So therefore here, this the opponent had the intention to kill and took by the means to kill so it is as if he killed and that's why the Prophet said he was eager to kill his opponent so in this hadith there is evidence that actions are dependent upon intentions and that when this person intended to kill his Muslim brother, it is as if he did it, as if he killed him. And from this we know now the difference between this hadith and between the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, مَنْ قُتِلَ دُونَ دَمِهِ فَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ وَمَنْ قُتِلَ دُونَ أَهْلِهِ فَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ وَمَنْ قُتِلَ دُونَ مَالِهِ فَهُوَ شَهِيدٌ He who <coughs> is killed when defending his blood, his family, or his property, then he is a martyr. The difference is clear between this one and the statements regarding this hadith. Also, this is clear, there is a clear difference between this and between the saying of the Prophet ﷺ regarding an assailant who comes to take someone's wealth. The Prophet ﷺ told, إِنْ قَتَلْتَهُ فَهُوَ فِي النَّارِ If you kill him, then he, his recompense is in the hellfire. وَإِنْ قَتَلَكَ and if he kills you, then you are a martyr. That is because the person who defends his wealth and his 
family and himself. He defends against an assailant and transgressing assailant who cannot be repelled except by being killed. So when the assailant is killed, his recompense is in hellfire. And when the defendant is killed, he is a martyr in paradise. This is the difference between the two situations. And therefore, it becomes known from this that whoever kills his brother intentionally, then his recompense is in hell. And as to the opponent, himself engaged also to kill the other, but he was incapable, then himself is in hellfire, his recompense is in hellfire, because he intended to kill his brother. In this hadith there is evidence concerning the gravity of killing, and that it is from the causes that leads to hell. والعياذ بالله. And there is evidence in this hadith that the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, they used to discuss matters which were unclear. And the Prophet ﷺ would answer them. And therefore from this we know that in fact there is nothing in the book and in the sunnah that there is that constitutes a real shubha doubt or unclarity except that it is resolved either it is resolved through clarification by the book and the sunnah without a question being raised regarding it or in response to a question regarding a matter which is unclear and therefore therefore it becomes clear from this as an example is when the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam informed of the coming of ad-dajjal the pseudo christ and he told the ummah that he will remain on earth 40 days this was in response to the companions when they asked the Prophet ﷺ how long would he the Antichrist would stay on the earth he ﷺ said 40 days one day like a year and one day like a month and one day like a week and the rest of the days would be like your days the companions said O oh Allah's messenger would one day's prayer suffice 
for the prayers of a day equal to one year thereupon the Prophet said no but you must make an estimate of time and then observe your prayers meaning you should take note of the time which generally exists between the different prayers and then pray according to these times there is nothing in the book and or the authentic sunnah anything that constitutes unclarity that is unresolved however what exists is deficiency in our understanding deficiency in our understanding of arriving to the clarity or that the person himself is negligent does not exert the effort nor contemplate or review so things become unclear to him in reality there is nothing in the Quran and the Sunnah and all praises due to Allah to be either in origin that is unclear <coughs> or not answered if there is any kind of clarity is required and all success is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this brings the end of the explanation of hadith number 9 and then we move to hadith number 10 وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة الرجل في جماعة تزيد على صلاته في بيته وصلاته في سوق وصلاته في سوقه بضعا وعشرين درجة وذلك أن أحدهم إذا توضأ فأحسن الوضوء ثم أتى المسجد لا ينهزه إلا الصلاة لا يريد إلا الصلاة فلم يخطو خطوة إلا رفع له بها درجة وحط عنه بها خطيئة حتى يدخل المسجد فإذا دخل المسجد كان في الصلاة ما كانت الصلاة هي تحبسه والملائكة يصلون على أحدكم ما دام في مجلسه الذي صلى فيه يقولون اللهم ارحمه اللهم اغفر له اللهم تب عليه ما لم يؤذي فيه ما لم يحدث فيه agreed upon hadith in this hadith reported by Abu Hurairah may Allah be pleased with him he said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said the reward for salah performed by a person in congregation is more than 20 times greater than that of the salah performed in one's house or shop when one performs wudu ablution perfectly and then proceeds to the masjid with the sole intention of performing the salah then for every step he takes towards the masjid he is upgraded one degree in reward and one of his sins is eliminated until he enters the mosque 
and when he enters the mosque he is considered as performing salah as long as it is the salah which prevents him from leaving the mosque and the angels keep on supplicating Allah for him as long as he remains in his place of prayer they say O Allah have mercy on him O Allah forgive his sins O Allah accept his repentance this will carry on as long as he does not pass wind this is agreed upon hadith so if the person performs the salah in the masjid with the people there in congregation this salah is better than the salah performed in his home or in his shop 27 times why? because he had concluded what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated upon him and as to the congregational prayer the preponderating opinion the congregational prayer is fardu'ayn is an incumbent duty upon the individual and that it's a must upon the person to pray in congregation in the masjid because of many narrations regarding that and also this is indicating in, indicated in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book subhanahu wa ta'ala in the glorious Quran he said in surah al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 102 وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِيهِمْ فَأَقَمْتَ لَهُمُ الصَّلَاةِ فَالْتَقُمْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ مَعَكَ فَالْتَقُمْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ مَعَكَ And this is during times of fear. When you are among them and lead them in salah, let one party of them stand up in salah with you taking their arms with them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated the congregational prayer even in the state of fear. Then by all means in a state of security it is no doubt asserted then he mentioned the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the reason for that he said because when the person performs the wudu at his house and then perfects it then leaves his house to the mosque with the sole intention of performing the salah then in this case every step he takes it will raise him one degree in reward and one of his sins will be eliminated and this is regardless whether the mosque is close by or far from the place every step upgrades his reward one degree and one of his sins is taken off and this is a great a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a great favor until he enters the mosque and then if he performs the salah the prescribed one then sits waiting the next salah then in this case he is in a state of salah as long as he waits for the next one and this is another blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the time you are sitting there not performing any salah then it is considered you will receive the reward of a praying person as if you are praying 
another matter here and this is the fourth matter that the angels will invoke Allah for him they say Allahumma salli alayhi O Allah have your salah upon him Allahumma ghfir lah O Allah forgive him Allahumma arhamh O Allah have mercy upon him Allahumma tub alayhi O Allah accept his repentance the evidence in this hadith the point of evidence in this hadith is ثُمَّ خَرَجَ مِنْ بَيْتِهِ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ لَا يُخْرِجُهُ إِلَّا الصَّلَاةِ and then proceeds to the mosque with the sole intention here's the point of evidence the intention the sole intention this is the sole intention driving him to go is to perform the salah in the masjid but if he leaves his house not intending to perform the salah then he's not going to receive this reward like for example if he leaves his house to his shop and then when the adhan is called he goes to the prayers then this is this reward is not attained because this is specific for the person who leaves his house nothing makes him leave the house except the sole intention of performing the salah however it is possible that he may receive the reward from the time he leaves his shop until he reaches the masjid as long as he leaves this place in a state of purity ala tahara and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives all success this brings the hadith the explanation of this hadith to an end now we move to hadith number 11 وعن أبي العباس عبد الله بن عباس بن عبد المطلب رضي الله عنهما عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فيما يروي عن ربه تبارك وتعالى قال إن الله كتب الحسنات والسيئات ثم بين ذلك فمن هم بحسنة فلم يعملها كتبها الله تبارك وتعالى عنده حسنة كاملة وإن هم بها فعملها كتبها الله عشر حسنات إلى سبعمائة ضعف إلى أضعاف كثيرة وإن هم بسيئة فلم يعملها كتبها الله عنده حسنة كاملة وإن هم بها فعملها كتبها الله سيئة واحدة أنا أجريد أقول حديث عبد الله بن عباس من الله بقليس وذهم أن هذا رباته that the Messenger وسلم, said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the blessed, the most high said verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one free of all imperfection the most high has ordered that the good and the bad deeds be written down then he explained it clearly how how to write he who intends to do a good deed but he does not do it then Allah records it for him as a full good deed 
But if he carries out his intention, then Allah the Exalted writes it down for him as from 10 to 700 folds and even more. Walhamdulillah. But if he intends to do an evil act and has not done it, then Allah writes it down with him as a full good deed. But if he intends it, intends it and has done it, Allah writes it down as one bad evil and agreed upon hadith by Al-Bukhari al-Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote the good and the bad deeds. This is written and this covers two meanings. The first meaning is writing this in the preserved tablet because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote in the preserved tablet everything as he subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in surah al-qamar chapter 54 verse 49 verily we have created all things with qadar divine preordainments of all things before their creation as written in the books of decrees which is Allah al-Mahfud the preserved tablet وَقَالَ تَعَالَى in the same chapter 54 verse 53 and everything small and big is written in Allah al-Mahfud the preserved tablet already beforehand before it falls all is done by its door. So this is the previous writing. None of this is known except to Allah. Every one of us or no one of us really knows what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for him from good or bad until it befalls and until it takes place this is the first writing another writing is a subsequent writing when the person carries on the deed it will be written recorded for him as necessitated by wisdom and justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith explained this. He said, when the person intends to do a good deed, but does not do it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will record it for him as one complete good deed. Full one. For example, a person intends to make wudu so as to recite the Qur'an, but he does not do that and changes his intention. Then in this case, it will be recorded for him as one complete hasana, good deed. Another example, a person 
intends to give charity and then allocates the sum of money for example to give it away in charity then he withholds it will be written for him as one full hasana someone intends to perform two raka optional prayers but then he does not do that it will be written for him one complete full hasana now if someone asks the question how is it written for him as one full hasana while in fact he didn't do it the answer for that is the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is vast this intention which he established in his heart is considered as a good deed because the heart intends either good or bad and if it intends the good then this is a good hasana it will be written and now if he carries it on and executes this intention it will be written for him ten fold up till seven hundred fold up till more many folds now the degree of reward depends on the degree of sincerity and following the way of the Prophet ﷺ regarding any of these acts so the more the person is sincere in his worship then his reward is more is amplified and the more he carries on the worship in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ then his worship is more perfected and his reward is even more as to the sin or evil deed the Prophet ﷺ said and if he intends to do a sin or an evil act وَإِنْ هَمَّ بِسَيِّئَةٍ فَلَمْ يَعْمَلْهَا كَتَبَهَا اللَّهُ حَسَنَةً كَامِلٍ so now the Prophet ﷺ said if he intends to do an evil deed or a sin but he does not carry it out then it will be written for him as one full hasana complete like a person intends to steal but then remembers Allah Azza wa Jal and he fears Allah the most high and thus abandons the theft so a full deed will be a full good deed will be written for him because he relinquished the sin for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is rewarded for that as came in another narration of the same hadith in Sahih Muslim إِنَّمَا تَرَكَهَا مِنْ جَرَّاءِ 
In fact, he relinquished doing it or abandoned doing it min ajli min jarrai for my sake. For example, he intends to backbite someone. Then he remembers that this is haram, unlawful. So he abandons this. He will be rewarded one full hasana. Now, if he carries on this sin, it will be written for him as one sin. No more. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-An'am, in chapter 6, verse 160, وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجْزَى إِلَّا مِثْلَهَا وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ Whoever brings a good deed shall have ten times the like thereof to his credit. And whoever brings an evil deed shall have only the recompense of the like thereof. And they will not be wronged. And we have discussed earlier that if the person intends evil and carries on the means that lead to this evil, he takes by the means that lead him to this evil, but he is incapable of carrying it out, then he will be recompensed as a doer of the sin as in the case of the hadith when the two Muslims meet intending to kill each other the killer and the opponent will be recompensed in hell and when the messenger وسلم, said was asked as to why because he was eager to kill his companion and all success is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enlighten our hearts with iman and to make this knowledge and evidence for us and not against us and to make us from those who act and comply accordingly. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.